Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. And we are continuing our series, Little by Little, Finding Your Identity in Christ. And um, really, I've been loving this series because what we've been talking about is once we know who we are, we know practically how to work all of this out. And so we've been talking a lot about our identity, what God has done for us, and now we're shifting to more of the practical side. And really, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about the church and how church is important to us. We need to be a unified church, that we need to constantly be fighting for our unity. Why? Because that's how the world is going to know that Jesus is real, and Jesus came to do what he said he was coming to do. But in verse 7, it all kind of shifts a little bit, because Paul uses a transitional word, but, and that means that he's now, we've said, we've been talking about y'all, right, us collectively, but now he's narrowing in the focus, and he's talking about you specifically. And we're going to be talking about the gifts, the spiritual gifts um, that we have. In fact, the title of the message is The Most Important Gift. Now, at the end of the message, I am going to tell you what the most important gift is. So you got to stay tuned. You got to lean in and listen to it. And I will tell you what the most important gift is at the end. Now, last week, if you were here, I talked about um, that I used to love running. But then I read Proverbs 28.1 that said, the wicked run when no one is chasing them. And so that became my life verse. And I just stopped running. I know for many of you, that's now become your life verse. And I'm glad you're learning something here at Awaken, if nothing else. But uh, I want to talk to you today about about someone who loves running. You might have heard of him. His name is Usain Bolt. You guys heard of him before? You know who he is? He's a guy, if you don't know who he is, he broke the world record for the 100-meter dash. Now, if you're not a sprinter like myself, that might not mean a whole lot to you. That might not resonate a lot. Like, you're like, how long is that really? Well, it's a little longer than a football field. And he ran that in 9.5 seconds. Like, that's pretty that's pretty fast, right? Like I know if I were to run in 9.5 seconds and I started at one end of the goal line and I ran, I would be at the 10 yard line. And I'm talking not about the furthest one, but the closest one to me. Like that's where I would be right there. Like I'm not going very far because listen, my body was built for comfort, not for speed. Can anybody else? Good amen there. All right. (laughs) Maybe I'm just the only one, but listen, (laughs) The whole point of me sharing this with you is um, what part of Usain Bolt's body do you think was the most important for him breaking that world record? Some of you, you might think his mind, right? You're like, well, he's got to be focused, right? He's got to know what he's got to do. He's got to stay focused on the, he's got to keep his eyes on the prize, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Maybe for some of you, you're like, well, if he's a sprinter, he's got to run. So legs or feet or calves are kind of important. Or some of you might think the heart, the lungs, his eyes, if he doesn't have, if he can't see, then he doesn't know where he's going. I was thinking his ears would be important because if he didn't hear the starter's pistol, he'd still be at the starting line while everybody else is running. Like those all seem to be important parts of his body. But a lady named Kim Nunley, she has a master's degree in kinesiology. Kinesiology is the study of the body's movement. And she wrote an article answering this question, what is the most important part of a sprinter's body? And when I was reading this article, what I found funny was that even with all her scientific knowledge, all of her medical know-how, she could not narrow it down. She couldn't say what the most single important part of a sprinter's body is. In fact, what she ended up doing was summarizing it into five major muscle groups. 
And I found really funny the major one that was important to a sprinter. And the one that she said was the most important was the gluteus maximus. Now, if you don't speak doctor, that's the muscle you're sitting on right now. Like, it's your rear end. And I read that and I thought, man, maybe I'm more qualified to be a sprinter than I ever thought before. Like, this is good news to me. But here's what she concluded in her article by saying, sprinter, sprinting requires a coordinated effort from all major muscles in your lower body. Here's what that means. Everything that we thought of, every, every muscle group, every part of the body that we just thought of, if all of those aren't functioning well to, with each other, if they are not functioning in a coordinated effort, they're not functioning in a healthy way, there's no way he would have been able to run that 100 meters. There's no way he would have been able to run down that track. And the same is true for the church. If we don't function together, if we're not using our gifts together, there is no way that we're ever going to make it. We're going to be in big trouble. And you might be thinking, well, why is that? Well, as we've been talking over the last several weekends, the only way the world is going to know that Jesus is real The only way the world is going to know that Jesus came to do what Jesus said he was coming to do is when the world looks at us, the church. They look at his body. The way the world is going to see the love of Jesus is as we unite together, using the gifts to serve one another and love one another, the world is going to look at the body of Christ, the church, and they're going to know Jesus is real because we said we are the visible and tangible reminder to the world that Jesus is real. See, every single one of us has a unique role and a part to play in the body of Christ. If we're going to be a healthy body, then we need to use the gifts that God has given us. And just as the human body is made up of many different parts, so is the church. Like I said, Paul's now shifting his focus from y'all to you specifically. He's going to be getting a little personal. He's going to say, hey, we all need to be unified under the name of Jesus. But in our unity, we can enjoy our diversity using the different gifts that God has given us. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. It says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Let's just pause right there because some of you are like, what is going on in these section of verses? Like, this is a little confusing. There's a lot of ascending, descending, ascending again, and descending. I thought you said we were talking about the spiritual gifts. What did Paul do? Did he just lose his mind right here? Like, what does this have to do with anything? What Paul is really trying to tell us and what he's trying to hammer home to us is because Jesus lived the life we couldn't live, died the death that we should have died, because he did all that he said he was going to come and do. Not only has he secured us and saved us, but he's also gifted us. That's our proof that we have gifts. So then he goes on to say in verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, or what that could be translated as saying that you once were a child, but you need to keep growing up. You don't stay young, you grow up. To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
I believe that these verses, verses 7 through 13 here, are some of the most important verses when it comes to uh, the New Testament church, when it's considering the health of the church. A lot of times I think people can get a little confused with these verses, maybe kind of interpret them, maybe right or wrong. But I think what these verses do is they really just point to the health about the church. Now, what's sad about the American church, and I'm going to talk in generalities here. I'm not going to point out any one specific church or anything like that. But in generalities, the American church isn't so much concerned about the health of the church as much as how they're growing numerically. How do I know this? Because I get mail all the time. I get emails. I get advertisements. How to grow your church. You want more people coming to your church? Here's how you grow your church. 30 steps to grow your church in 30 days. Like that's what I get all the time. The, the American church in general is more concerned about how to get people to their services than they are about the health of the church. Now listen, I would like the church to keep growing. We are growing as a church, and I'm excited about that. We just split service times. Everybody's kind of spread out a little bit. We're getting a little bit more even. We're seeing people in groups. We're seeing more people serving. We're seeing more people attend the services. I'm excited about that. I've always heard it said, if you don't evangelize, then eventually you will fossilize. Meaning, if you don't go and tell people about Jesus, the people who are in your church are eventually going to die, and that's going to be the end of the church. So make no mistake, I want Awakened Church to keep growing. I want to see more people who are lost and hurting come fill these seats so they can find the hope that we have found. I want us to be concerned about growing numerically. But listen, I feel like the Lord spoke to me this year and said, we need to go through Ephesians because we need to be worried about growing, being a healthy church spiritually. This is why I love Ephesians so much. Because as we get healthy, when the growth happens, guess what? We can shoulder more of the weight. We aren't struggling because we're healthy. What's interesting to me is the New Testament church wasn't so concerned about its health. The New Testament church, in fact, it would be said of them in the book of Acts that the Lord added to their numbers daily. It didn't say, and Peter added to their numbers daily, or Paul added their numbers daily, or this church's advice on how to grow added to their numbers. It said the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. We need to be a church worried about our health spiritually. And these verses point to this. Because here's the thing. When we are healthy, what happens to healthy things? They grow. Growth is something that God does. And this passage of scripture speaks strongly to us as a church. I think Paul is saying, hey, awaken church. Guess what? You need to grow. You need to be healthy spiritually to be the body of Christ. You need to be healthy and functioning well. And so there's three challenges, three action steps that we need to take to make sure that we are functioning and we are a healthy church today. And it's all surrounding this idea of spiritual gifts. And the first one is you got to find your spiritual gift. You got to find it. Verse seven says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. What this means is the moment you put your faith in Jesus, you got a gift and it was graciously given to you. But what is a spiritual gift? 
I'm going to have a definition on the screen for you. It says, spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities or talents graciously given by the Holy Spirit to followers of Jesus to serve the body of Christ so that it may fulfill its mission of expanding the kingdom of God locally and globally. Simply put, you put your faith in Jesus, you got a gift to love and serve one another and love and serve a lost and hurting world. Spiritual gifts are not just given to an elite few people. It's not like God's up in heaven looking down at earth going, hmm, who do we have down there? And he's zapping people with spiritual gifts. Like, I see something in you, zap a spiritual gift. I see something in you, zap a spiritual gift. Oh, nothing in you. So we'll back away. Oh yeah, over here. No, that's not how it works at all. That's not what God is doing. He gives spiritual gifts to every single believer. So how do you know what your spiritual gift is in your life? I've heard it said that your spiritual gift is at, the, um, is at the intersection of success and satisfaction. Meaning this, what are you good at and what do you enjoy doing? When you can answer those two questions, what am I good at and what do I enjoy doing? Then you will know what your spiritual gift might be. Now I need to remind you, a spiritual gift is not your natural skill or ability because I can hear some people going, oh, golf I'm pretty good at golf. Like, I think that's my spiritual gift. No, that's an activity. Such so your spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are deeper than that. I'll use myself as an example. Uh, over the years, I've had people tell me what my spiritual gifts are. I've taken spiritual gift tests. Um, and so I've kind of been able to figure out what my spiritual gift is. And one of my spiritual gifts is the gift of teaching. And if you don't know that, then I think I have a lot of questions and probably need to reevaluate some things in my life right now. But you might be like, well, that makes sense. I mean, it seems like you're pretty natural being able to communicate God's word or being able to talk in front of people. Like that seems like, no, that's not true at all. Let me tell you, back in high school, I remember we had to, uh, we had like a month of, of uh, public speaking. We had to learn how to communicate in front of people. And I was terrified for that day. Let me tell you, I wasn't sleeping very well. I was nervous. I was scared. And you might be like, oh, is it because there was a lot of people? There was 13 people in my class. It wasn't that at all. <laughs> and you might be thinking, you might be even more so gracious and be like, oh, is it because it was a topic? Like tough topics would make me nervous too. No, it was on a hobby. It was on anything about myself for five minutes. That's what it was. And I still remember the day. I could go back to it in my mind. I remember my name was called and I went, this is actually going to happen. And I felt like I had an out of body experience. I'm walking to the front and I get up there and I'm pretty sure my voice even cracked a little bit. I might've been like, hey, um, <clears throat> my name is Nate. Whittick. And, uh, you know, like I was that nervous. I was that scared. It did get better in college. I took communications in college and I was still nervous and scared. I was terrified to speak in front of people. See, if you would have told me I would have spent the rest of my life teaching people or getting up in front of people and communicating God's word, I would have been like, you're crazy. Get out of my life. You have lost your mind right now. What are you talking about? But here's the point. When the Holy Spirit of God came to live inside of me, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, he graciously gifted me with spiritual gifts. See, I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I wasn't like, hey, God, hook a brother up. You know, do you know who I am? Like, that's not it at all. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. But he supernaturally grace gifted me with spiritual gifts. And the same is true for you if you're a follower of Jesus. 
He's given you gifts. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it, but you have gifts. And so today what I want us to do is, I read in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, a list of spiritual gifts. And they're going to be up on the screen or in the Version Bible app. And um, it's 20 gifts. And you can see what they are. I'll give you a brief explanation of what they are real quick. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to think which one, two, or three of those gifts has God gifted me with? The first one is teaching. Some of you right now might be going, oh no, am I going to have to talk in front of people too? No. We've all been called to teach because we've all been called to disciple. But some of us have been supernaturally grace gifted to teach God's word in a public forum like this. Then there's the gift of leadership. People turn to you. They look to you for things to lead or something to lead or um, there's, an, there's just stuff that you like to start up and so you lead and you can rally people behind you for that and that's the gift of leadership. The gift of exhortation. It's similar to teaching but it's the ability to inspire and to encourage people. Then there's the gift of giving. Some of you are like, I know I don't have that gift. Listen, <laughs> you do have that gift. We've all been called to give. There's no question about that. But some of you have been grace gifted to give above and beyond. Here's what that means. You might see a family in need and you just want to pour out generosity on them. You see a, an organization or a ministry and you just want to keep making sure that they're succeeding. And so you want to give above and beyond what God has called you to give. Gift of mercy. You care about people. This is a gift of prophecy. This is the ability to speak in a way that pierces people's hearts, convicts them, and draws them to action. It's a gift of service, serving people, helping people out. Administrative gifts. These are organizational type gifts. Gift of discernment. This isn't the gift of judging everybody. This is the gift of being able to tell if somebody's motives are good or if they're bad. The gift of faith. Listen, we all have the gift of faith. But there's some people who have the gift of faith to take big, bold steps of faith and know that God's always going to come through. There's other people when the world could be falling apart all around them, they have so much faith in God, it's, it's unbelievable sometimes. We all have the gift of faith, but some have more. Gift of healing. Some of you have been prayed over by people and you've seen them healed. Gift of help. You just love to help. You love to be a part of anything and everything. There's the gift of knowledge or what is the word of knowledge. This is where God maybe lays a verse or some passage of scripture on your heart and you see somebody and you know you've got to tell them. And you're like, this might sound a little weird, but God's been laying this verse on my heart. And so you tell them what it is. Then there's the gift of miracles. God has performed miracles through you. There's the gift of tongues. If you're in high school, you're like, oh, I think I have that gift. No, you do not. On behalf of your parents, you do not have the gift of tongues. Gift of tongues is a prayer language between you and God. Some of you are like, that's gross. All right, I get it. Kind of grosses me out now the second time I've said this, but, <laughs> but there's the gift of tongues. It's a prayer language between you and God. And then there's the interpretation of tongues, meaning that if somebody stands up and they say something, if there's no interpretation of that tongue, then we just ignore it. And the Bible says that they're just trying to draw attention to themselves. It's a gift of wisdom. You're a wise person. People come to you for advice. The gift of evangelism. Again, this is one we've all been called to tell other people about Jesus. But some of us have a special way, a unique ability to be able to weave it into conversations. Maybe we're a little bit more bold when it comes to telling people about Jesus. Gift of hospitality. 
You love to create environments for people. And then there's the gift of encouragement, always looking for ways to encourage other people. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible tells us that we have at least one of those spiritual gifts. Here's the best way to discover your spiritual gift. Find a person that knows you best. Maybe it's your parents, your your spouse, maybe it's a best friend. And show them that list and say, hey, which one of these gifts do you think describes me the best? Then you could go online and you can uh, Google a spiritual gifts test and you can find a test and you can see what matches up. Do I have these gifts? Do I not? But the best place to start is think about what do you love doing and what do people come to you for? Maybe for you, you have the gift of, of giving. You're just always looking for ways to go above and beyond in your giving to bless other people. You have this heart of generosity. Maybe you have the gift of helps. You just love to help anywhere. You're like, hey, I'm here. Use me how you can. You just are always looking for ways to be of use, to be helpful to people. Maybe you have the gift of mercy. You just care about people so much. Maybe it's the gift of encouragement. You're so encouraging. Whatever your gift is, you have to find your gift. But anytime we talk about the spiritual gifts, I feel like I need to say this, that what bothers me is that there are certain people or churches that love to elevate gifts, certain gifts above other gifts, right? I mean, you know, if you've been around church for any length of time, if you've been around some Christians, you know that some gifts are just elevated above others. We have people that go, ooh, you have the gift of teaching or the gift of evangelism. Ooh, oh, the other ones are okay. There's other churches and traditions that, that people say, oh, you have the gift of tongues? Oh, you, you have this ability to heal people? Well, those are the gifts. That's how we know you're a real Christian. If you don't have those, some people tell you, if you don't have those gifts, then there's something wrong with you and you're not really a Christian. And that's not the case at all. There's no second class citizens when it comes to the gifts of the spirit. That's not the picture the Bible paints. I read a quote this week that said, each believer's spiritual giftedness is unique. As if each were a spiritual snowflake or fingerprint. It's as if God dips his paintbrush into different colors or categories of gifts on his spiritual palette, and he paints each Christian a unique blend of colors. What this is saying is that the gift that God has given you is so unique, it's like the snowflakes. It's like a fingerprint. It is unique to you. There is no one in this church gifted like you. See, if you choose to sit on the sidelines, we can't run the race with you, without you. If you choose to just check out, if you think you're not important, then we cannot finish the race. When you take all the gifts from Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, when you take all the gifts of the New Testament, none of us fall into one category. But because of the Holy Spirit, We've been given this unique blend of these gifts, which makes us a unique body of Christ, which makes each one of us essential to carrying out the mission of God to this city and to this world. You might be thinking, well, read the list, don't know that I have any of these gifts, none of them resonated with me. I don't know, maybe, maybe I missed out on that. Listen, look at what Paul says in verse seven. Each one of you has a gift. No one 
is excluded. If you are a follower of Jesus today, I have a math equation for you. Saved equals gifted. You didn't miss that day in class. You didn't miss out on your moment or your opportunity. You weren't skipped over. If you know Jesus, the Bible says you have a gift. Every single one of you who calls Awaken Church, your home church, you're invested here. You're putting your roots down in here. You are valuable to the health of this body. You are important. We cannot run the race without you. God wants all of us to play a part in what he's doing. And by his grace, he has supernaturally grace gifted you to play a role that no one else can play. So not only do you need to find your gift, but here's the second thing. You need to grow your gift. You need to grow your gift. Look at verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. I want you to pay attention to that word equip in verse 12, because that word equip means to uh, put something back to its original condition. It's a phrase that speaks of putting a broken bone back in its place again. So the role of the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the role of them is to equip people to do ministry. Listen, I am only one person. I cannot be everywhere, do everything, be everywhere I need to be, do all of those things. The same is true for Pastor AJ, Pastor Dennis, Pastor Devon. We're all only one people. But our biblical mandate, the thing the Bible tells us to do, is to equip everybody, the saints, meaning you, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're a saint, who are all called to equip you to help you discover your spiritual gift. So that as I'm using my gift and as our other pastors are using their gifts and our leaders and you are using your gift, we all function as a healthy body. We're all functioning the way we're supposed to function. We're all serving the Lord. Paul put it another way when he's talking to a guy named Timothy. Timothy was a young church planning guy and Paul was his pastor. And so Pastor Paul tells Timothy uh, uh, in 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, fan into flames the gift that God has given you. He's like telling Timothy, hey, God equipped you with the gift. Fan it into flames. But what does it mean to fan it into flame? It means to give it some oxygen. Give that flame what it needs to grow and to get bigger. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say something about someone like, hey, they're so gifted might have heard that. I was watching a, a basketball game with Brody this last week, and we were watching the Golden State Warriors. And uh, the commentator said, Steph Curry is a very gifted and talented three-point shooter. And it's true. I mean, he's one of the best ones in the league. But do you know how many three-pointers Steph Curry makes every day during the offseason? He makes 500. Now, I didn't say he takes 500 shots. I said he makes 500 shots, which means he sees the ball go through the basket at least 500 times before he calls it a day. And he does this in the gym alone. When no one is watching him, there's no cameras, there's no bright lights. It's just him alone in the gym. If he does that for basketball, 
then how much more should we be working to grow the spiritual gift that God has given us? How much are you willing to sacrifice? How much time and effort are you willing to put into your spiritual gift? God has given you a gift, and you need to grow it. So how does this apply to us? Well, again, using myself as the example, I have the gift of teaching. And so what I do is I don't go, oh, no, it's a Saturday night. Guess I better put a sermon together. No, I've been spending at least 25 hours during the week planning and preparing and getting ready to bring God's word to you. But I'm also looking for ways to constantly grow. How can I get better? What can I do to improve? I'm constantly looking for ways for that gift and the other ones that I've been given to fan into flame the gift that God has given me. And the same is true for you. When it comes to the gifts God has given you, there's no shortcuts, there's no secrets, there's no easy way. You have to fan your gift into flame. But how do you do that? First question I would ask you is, are you growing spiritually? Because what's a spiritual gift again? A spiritual gift is spiritual. So you need to be growing. And as you're growing spiritually, your gift will grow as well. See, I found that as I read the Bible... As I understand God's word more, it brings convictions in my life, which makes me a better leader, and it makes me a better Bible teacher. When I pray over the sermon, you know, one thing I do is I walk around this room constantly, and I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God would speak to you in clear ways, that God would move in your hearts in ways that I can't describe. And I walk in here and I pray over the sermon. I pray over the chairs. What does that do for me? It makes me a better communicator. It brings passion and desire to internalize the truths that I've studied and makes them come alive. When you grow spiritually, your spiritual growth will happen. Your gift will grow. But one of the reasons why a lot of us uh, don't see our spiritual gifts growing, they've completely flatlined, is because we've stopped growing. And so our spiritual gift is dead. But the other way that you fan into flame the gift that you have is you need to ask God to increase your gift. I do this all the time. I'm always praying, God, would you increase the gift of teaching in my life? Your homework, your assignment this week is to do that. It's to say, God, would you increase my gift of, and fill in the blank. Maybe for you, you need to ask God to increase your gift of encouragement. God, would you just encourage me? Or God, would you increase my gift of serving? God, would you increase my gift of hospitality? Whatever gift you have, you need to pray that prayer. God, would you increase my gift of, fill in the blank. That's fanning into flame your gift. So not only do you need to find it and grow it, but then you also need to use it. You need to use the gift God has given you. I mean, what's the purpose of a gift if you don't use it? Ephesians 4.12, look at it again. It says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Here's what we want to pay attention to. For building up the body of Christ. You got to use your gift to build up the body of Christ. I talk to people all the time who just are going through life feeling as if there's no meaning, there's no purpose to their life. They're just aimlessly wandering, going through their life. You know, you kind of, you get up, you go to work, go to school. You know, you might go grocery shopping, might go to Target, might text message a few friends, 
get home, do some homework, maybe, you know, set your alarm again and get ready to do it all over again. At some point, you've got to go, well, this has got to stop. There has to be more to this life than just this. And God says, there is. I have equipped you with a gift to build up the body of Christ. Listen, you can be a part of something way bigger than you'll ever be on your own. And not only that, God has gifted you a gift that will last for all of eternity. Uh, I was told this quote uh, last week, and I thought it was very applicable for this part of the message. It says, the purpose in life is to find your gift. The meaning of life is found when you give what you've been gifted away. That's when you feel that your life will start to mean more. That's when you'll start to find that you have more value in your life, when you give that gift away. So you got to use your gift. You got to use the gift that God has given you. I heard a story of a pastor. He was out with his son one day and uh, he started to get really dizzy and lightheaded. And so it just continued to get worse and worse. Like he couldn't sit up, he couldn't stand up, he couldn't do anything. And he just assumed that it was vertigo. But then he went to the doctor and the doctor told him that it wasn't vertigo. It was something called vestibular neuritis. It's an infection of the nerve that connects your ear to your brain. You have two of them, one in your right ear and one in your left ear. Now, a lot of us, we have not heard about that nerve before. I mean, let's just be honest. I struggled just to say that, and I am so glad that this is now over with. I don't ever have to say that again in my life, all right? But a lot of us, we don't even know about that nerve. But this small little body part, this seemingly insignificant part of his body was affecting his whole life. He couldn't run. He couldn't drive couldn't stand up. He was a pastor, so he couldn't teach. This small, insignificant body part was affecting his whole life. 1 Corinthians 12, 22, Paul says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem to be the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. I think that pastor would say amen to that right there. I think he understands firsthand how this small body part was affecting his whole body. Paul, later on in chapter 12, he says, all of you together make up the body of Christ and all of you are separate, but you're all a necessary part of the body of Christ. You might be here today and you might be tempted to think, well, the people on stage are really the most important people. I mean, I only have the gift of mercy. What's God gonna do with that? I only have the gift of encouragement. How's God gonna use that? I only have the gift of serving. What's God going to do with that? I'm telling you, you are a necessary and valuable part of the body of Christ. Told you that I would tell you what the most important um, gift is. The most important gift is the gift that God has given you. Listen, it's, you could easily, we all could play this comparison thing. Well, I wish I had this gift or why can't I have that gift? Those gifts aren't important to you. The most important gift is the gift that God has given you because he's uniquely gifted you with that gift to fulfill his mission here in the church. Listen, there's no single one most important part of the body. It takes all of us. And I think what Paul is teaching us today is that God wants to use you and God wants to use me to change the world. 
And the way that God will use us to change the world is as we use our gifts, we will see more people come to know him. I was reminded of in Revelation, there's an angel that would circle the globe and give everybody one last chance to repent and turn from their sins. Seems like that's a lot cooler way than a guy standing up on a stage using a gift, right? Like, I think that's really cool. God could do things in a whole lot cooler way, but he chooses to use us, that we get to partner with God to awaken people who are far from Christ to new life in Christ. So you got to use the gift that God has given you. I want to close with this story I read this week. It's about two guys who owned a vintage clothing store. And uh, they went out to Goodwill and they went to go purchase some stuff for their clothing store and they found this sweatshirt that said West Point embroidered across the front of it. And they're like, well, this is kind of cool. We could clean this up and make a couple bucks on it. You know, it'll be good. And so later that night, they went home and they watched a documentary on a guy named Vince Lombardi. He's a famous Green Bay Packer. And uh, Green Bay Packer fans, yes. Uh, And uh, he was a famous Green Bay Packer. And so they were watching, and they saw this picture come up of Vince wearing this West Point sweatshirt. And so they were like, well, this looks kind of familiar. So they dug through the clothes that they had just got, and they're like, well, this kind of looks like it. And they looked at the tag at the back of the sweater, and you know what it said? Lombardi across the back of it. So they cleaned it up, they took it to auction, and they sold it for $43,000. Now, before all of you say, praise the Lord, amen, hey, mom, we're going to goodwill, all right? Like, before we rush out here and do all of that, there's a point to this story, and the point is this. You are a treasure to God. You see, goodwill is filled with all kinds of stuff that people don't see value in anymore. And so they just discard it. And maybe you're here today, and you feel like you've been discarded. Maybe you feel like you've been working and faithfully working for your company for years and years and years. For one reason or another, they just say, well, we're going to go in a different direction. And so you feel discarded. Maybe in your marriage, your spouse came home one day and says, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. And so you just feel discarded. Maybe you were with a group of friends and you were hanging out and you thought you guys were all good and and going the same direction, but they've pushed you out, they've discarded you. Here's what I want to remind you today. God will never do that to you. That God sees your value. You might not see it in yourself, but God sees your value. Maybe you've been told by a coach, a teacher, a parent, you'll never amount to anything. Why can't you be like your siblings? Why can't you be like this person? And you've started to believe all of those lies in your life. God wants to remind you who you are in him. He loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. He gave his first and his best, his son Jesus, to pay for your sins. It should have been us, but Jesus paid for it. He reconciled us back to the Father. And because Jesus is alive, one day he's coming back for us and we will spend all of eternity with God. But in the meantime, we have been gifted gifts and we need to use them to function in a healthy way as the body of Christ. Because one day what's gonna happen is somebody who's lost is gonna come walking through these doors. They're gonna feel discarded And you're going to hear about it and you're going to say, guess what the Lord did in in my life? And I know he can do the same thing for you. Together, as we use our gifts, as we operate and we function as a healthy body of Christ, 
we will see God move in powerful ways. As we get healthier, we're going to see the church get healthier. And that's what Paul is telling us. You got to find your gift, you got to use your gift, and you got to grow your gift. Amen? Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.